welcome back to Minds of Metal. My name is Daria. And I'm Laz, and together we're a husband and wife team, both pro musicians talking all things heavy metal. And today we're bringing you a very exciting classic album review of Sad Wings of Destiny by Judas Priest. That's right, yeah, this is Judas Priest's second album that they released in 1976, following the hard rock, bluesier rocker roller, which came out a few years before. Um, when, when listening to this album and when figuring out what we were going to say about it, we came up with a statement that we thought was quite important about where this album sits in metal history. We believe that this album is the catalyst between early metal in the 70s and metal when it became more established in the 80s. Now, what we mean by that is that we think Judas Priest have consolidated and taken loads of characteristics that they heard in the early 70s, but packaged them all together to say, this is heavy metal. So going a little deeper for now, you've got the first wave of British heavy metal from about 1970 to 1975. You've got Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Uriah Heep, Budgie, Sweet, another band that were kind of doing their thing in the early 70s. These bands weren't playing out and out heavy metal, but they were playing much heavier, much harder rock. Sabbath came with the dissonance, the darkness, the doominess, the satanic lyrics. Deep Purple were there playing faster songs, double kick drums, guitar solos and extended songs. Now, Priest took some of these characteristics as well as others. And this is when the second wave of British heavy metal started beginning from the mid 1970s to the late 1970s. This is where you have bands like Judas Priest, Saxon, Rainbow, um, or oh, there was another one, and Thin Lizzy, uh, all, all sort of taking on and pioneering these characteristics and putting them in a new package. Then from 1980 to about 1983, you've got the new wave of British heavy metal, which was heavily influenced by the second and first waves. Yeah, and to me personally, this is a very, very exciting album because I know my Black Sabbath of early 70s and I know, uh, well, bluntly speaking, my Iron Maiden of the early 80s, but how did we get to Iron Maiden? I'm not sure of. And this album is what pieced it all together for me. Do you remember how excited I was? I yeah. was just blown away. I was like, oh my goodness, this is the moment. That just clicked. So let's get into those influences deeper. So we've actually identified four bands that we believe are uh, musically influencing Judas Priest in this album. Now those bands are Queen, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. And we're going to go through now band by band and talk about where we hear these influences in the Sad Wings of Destiny album. So we'll start off with Queen. Now in general, what I'm hearing uh, in Judas Priest's album from Queen is mainly focused around vocals vocal harmonies, some parts that he sings on his own, the production, but there's even some guitar elements here, like tones, harking back to Brian May's guitar tone, and most importantly, I think, piano, because we hear quite a lot of that. Now, uh, in Victims of Changes, the first song, I think the first guitar lick is very queeny. It's almost got that bluesiness about it. It's very rock and roll, and you can imagine it coming from Brian May. Uh, the intro of The Ripper, again, I thought was very queeny. Dreamer Deceiver, now, there is a song from Queen's Sheer Heart Attack album called Tenement Funster, which literally has, I think it's the same chord and the same guitar style picking happening in Tenement Funster as there is in Dreamer Deceiver. Um, the song Prelude, go to Queen's 1975 album, A Night at the Opera, and you'll hear them do their own version of the British national anthem, God Save the Queen. And to me, Prelude sounds just like this, the inclusion of the piano, mainly the focus. Uh, and the song Epitaph, 
Rob, to me, sounds like Freddie Mercury when he's singing those higher notes, but you've also got the harmonies and the piano really leading the track. Again, from Queen's 1973 album, Sheer Heart Attack, go and check out Lily of the Valley. And the final part for me is the Island of Domination, very Queen production style and uh, very Queeny vocal arrangements. What do you think about Queen? Well, I just straight away, I thought, wow, he sounds so theatrical, yeah. Rob Halford. Yeah. And there is this, you can hear how he's performing through his vocals, and that to me is very Freddie Mercury-like. Yeah. So I completely agree with all your points, yeah. and uh, I just I was amazed by how there's so much Queen influence, but without sounding exactly like Queen, like without copying things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean I do. by that? And yeah. I think Queen are a lighter band than Black Sabbath and Deep Purple, arguably even Led Zeppelin. And for them to have created this heavy sound with a lot of influence from Queen is quite unique, isn't it? It is. Talking about Deep Purple, for me personally, I think I heard a lot of Deep Purple throughout the whole album. Specifically, the first song, Victim of Changes, you know, straight away, as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, I know this groove. Mm. I know this continuous groove, this is so Deep Purple. And uh, vocals-wise as well, uh, The Ripper is a good example for that, for that Ian Gillen-inspired vocal phrasing. And again, another great example of taking an influence from somewhere else and making it completely different in your own. Yeah, again, it's just like we said with Queen, isn't it? They've yeah. just taken that influence from Purple and just made it heavier and applied it to their new found heavy metal style. Um, I agree with what you said there. The, the whole album for me is Ian Gillen when he does those high screams, like, what song is it where he goes, forever? Yeah, like that is just so brilliant. Gillen. The way he jumps from a normal well, normal singing tone to something crazily mm -hmm. high. Go and check out Child in Time by Deep Purple. If you can find it, the Made in Japan version is great because it's live and Gillen is on form there. Um, yeah, like you in Victim of Change, I heard the unison hits in the intro, so Deep Purpley. It's almost like, it's like a funkiness, like, I can't I think the riff I'm about to sing is from Victim of Change, but it goes, doo -doo -doo -doo, ba -ba it's like, it's got that characteristic. Because Deep Purple are playing hard rock, but they're also, you know, go listen to the album Machine Head. It's a hard rock album, but there's elements of funk in there. There's elements of blues in there. Uh, but the other thing for me that harkens back and pays homage to Deep Purple is that there is a slight classical influence in Sad Wings of Destiny, be it from the piano playing or Dreamer Deceiver. There's a tiny little section where uh, I think it's an acoustic guitar plays a little section and it sounds so classical to me. And this is important because Richie Blackmore was very, very uh, influenced and inspired by classical music. And whilst other bands like Zeppelin were pushing and take, you know, grabbing their influence from the blues, you know, Cream, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple were taking some blue stuff, but Blackmore loved his classical, and you can hear it in their solos, him and John Lord's guitar and keyboard solos, respectively. Huge classical influence there, and I think you have parts of it here as well. So in the same way I finished the last Deep Purple section off about the classical influence, albeit small, I think we have the same to say about the blues influence here, because you've got loads of sections where you're hearing it sound like Led Zeppelin. Now, two examples I've got, Deceiver and Genocide. 
there are moments in there where if I didn't know I was listening to Judas Priest, I, I, I might have thought that I'd heard Robert Plant singing. It's just, I mean, you're going to talk about this later in a vocal section, but I can just hear a tone, the way he delivers a note. Um, yeah, it's the opening note for me that does it. Yes. In Deceiver. Yeah, it goes so yeah. on. Um, I think it's also that song Deceiver has, I don't know, I think it's the Ripper. The, the intro guitar, it sounds just like Jimmy Page's guitar tone. It could almost be Communication Breakdown. Go and check that out from Led Zeppelin 1. Uh, but to finish off the Zeppelin for me, the song Island of Domination. Halfway through the song, you've got this really swung blues section. And it's like they're not even trying to hide it here. We just said with Queen and Deep Purple, they've taken those influences and turned it into something that they can say is different and unique. But with here, you know, I just completely hear a Zeppelin swung blues section uh, in Island of Domination. Let's talk about Black Sabbath influence. It is huge, really. The whole base of of it is heavy. It's so heavy. It is, and it has doomy uh, vibes about it. But um, Victim of Changes, again, Warpigs vibe. So go and check out Warpigs by Black Sabbath and you will hear what we mean by that. Same with uh, the song Epitaph. Reminds me of uh, Black Sabbath's Changes. You know, it's a ballad of the album and it's slower and it's got the, you know, darker sort of doomy influence there. And yeah, it's just... It's there again, going through the whole album, same as, you know, Deep Purple, just a bit of bits and pieces throughout the whole album. Yeah. With Sabbath, yeah, and I agree with everything you've said. Sabbath brought the dissonance and the darkness and the minor chords to the hard rock. That's what made it metal. And in The Ripper, you can hear obvious dissonance and darkness in those guitar riffs and the note choices. You mentioned about Victim of Changes, and that's, that's absolutely spot on about War Pigs, because... The thing with Victim of Changes is you've got to look at the length of the song and how many times the sections change and the tempo changes and the feel changes and it goes heavier and it goes softer. That's the precedent that Warpig set of how you can make an opening track of a heavy metal album uh, heavy, <laughs> you know, yeah. to, to put it simply, but still exploring stylistically other avenues. Um, you said Epitaph, I completely agree. For me, when he sings those low notes in Epitaph, he sounds a bit like Ozzy. His vocals are way more on point. He's actually hitting notes. He has a different tone, but I still hear that Aussie in the song changes, as you mentioned. See, maybe. I don't hear it as much as you do. Yeah. But I see where you're coming from. Um, It's just, what are you talking about Aussie? Like, what Aussie stuff do you hear there? So in the same song, Epitaph, yeah. His high notes remind me of Freddie Mercury and the low notes remind me of Ozzy. Okay. And what I mean by that is if you go, go we said it already, go and listen to changes and you can hear him kind of talk, you know, you know the world has in a mm-hmm. And I think Rob Halford does this here. It's kind of conversational. Okay. Every note he sings in the rest of the album, when it's a high note, has power has theatrics to it. It has a purpose. Whereas Epitaph, it feels like a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a storytelling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So from everything you've heard there in that last section, I hope you can see what we see or hear, what we can hear from the album, where we've got all these stylistic influences, just tiny little bits taken from every band, but put together and added with new stuff as well. You know, 
go deep and listen to this album. You've got the dark, doomy, heavy riffs, dissonance and minor notes and chords, hints of blues in some licks, even some classical, which we mentioned, even some swung sections. But then you've got some new stuff coming in. You've got the dual lead guitars, which were pioneered in the mid 70s and really being innovated and pushed by bands like Priest, Thin Lizzy, Wishbone Ash, Rainbow guitar solos as well now the solos on this album are fantastic Love and again don't forget we've got richie blackmore and deep purple doing their solo thing uh very classically influenced in machine head you've got jimmy page doing his solos very blues influenced uh in zeppelin's early albums but then you put it together you add some speed you add loads of effects some whammy bars some phasers some wah pedals lots of shredding and everything and this is what i'm hearing in these judas priest solos so this is what we mean and we hope you understand and agree with us that this is the consolidation yeah. of those characteristics with some new stuff added in in a brand new package which we'd call the second wave of heavy metal let's talk about rob halford the singer okay I think that this album is actually an amazing example of how versatile he is as a singer. He can manipulate his vocal tone to suit the song's needs. So what I mean by that is, for example, songs like Epitaph, which is a ballad, yeah? What does a ballad usually require? A softer kind of tone, a breathy tone, a storytelling kind of tone. And he does that. We hear these beautiful low notes there and he just does it perfectly. Now, uh, throughout the album, you also hear some absolutely mind-blowing high notes. And uh, it, it literally, it catches you, doesn't it? It blows your mind. It, you're like, whoa, what was that? Because <laughs> uh, 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 10 seconds before, he's singing a low register and yeah. suddenly out of nowhere. How does he do it? it? It's just an amazing vocal technique, honestly. He's absolutely fantastic. And um, I think the vocal section that just hit me the most, yeah, was Dreamer Deceiver, around three minutes time. Check it out. There's just some crazy vocals there. And... I was thinking to myself, he was 25 at that point. 25. And we've watched videos. He's still going now. He's How still do going. Do How do you do it? It's just fantastic, isn't it? I think... I assume he practices a lot. I assume that. I mean, how could you not? You know, <laughs> or maybe he's just naturally so talented, you know, that he doesn't even need practice. But uh, this point aside, there's also operatic vocals he's got lots of vibrato going on so vibrato is when you when your voice just kind of does that wavy <laughs> and that's the one that's the difference i hear between him and ian gillen yeah is it would that be right to say i think so yeah, yeah. and ian gillen's got this sort of really not screamy but shouty yes i know what you mean tone and projection yeah. uh so but he does that also you know he does all of these things and um i have to say that this operatic thing about his voice it makes it sound really sophisticated in a metal album i really yeah. like it i do i really love it it sounds just so like it belongs there Yes. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. Yeah, that's... It's just a stunning vocal performance. Stunning. And we haven't even been... You know, Judas Priest have more famous albums yeah. than this that's going to come up. You know, we'll get to them eventually and we need to listen to them. So I can't wait yeah. to hear what his vocals have in store for us. So right at the start of the video, when we gave you our initial thought on the album, 
we said that it took the influences from the early first wave of British heavy metal, but it did its own influencing in the new wave of British heavy metal. And one band that we've both picked out from listening would be Iron Maiden. Um, if you listen to Victim of Changes, there's that soft section in it, which just completely reminded me of Remember Tomorrow from the first Iron Maiden album. Mm -hmm. Go and check that out to hear it. Um, Deceiver, the intro riff rhythm is almost like a dang, 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 galloping. And galloping. you mentioned galloping, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and this was the point for me in Deceiver. I turned to you and said <laughs> it clicked. That's yeah. it. I get it now. I get it. It's all come together. I can totally see Iron Maiden taking influence from this yeah. for their first album. Well, you've also got songs Dreamer Deceiver, the ending of that sounds so Iron Maiden to me, and the song Genocide, not only musically, the gallopy vocal rhythms. You've got... And Bruce Dickinson loves that. You know, think about Ryan the Ancient Mariner. You know, really jumping, always a bit folky yeah. the way I sing it. Um, but I think, you know... I, we've chosen this band because we both know Iron Maiden really, really well. I mean, look, there's the T-shirt. I've got three others upstairs. Um, but I'm sure, without a doubt, that other new wave of British heavy metal bands would also have taken influence from this. You know, I like a band called Angel Witch, and I hear Summer Priest stuff in Angel Witch's oh, first yeah. album. So it's undoubtedly the case that this album has done so much. You know, and again, between yeah. this album and Iron Maiden Beginning, Priest did another album or two. We, I don't exactly have the information, but so so they've, they've only gone on to further increase this idea that they're important to metal. But as we said at the start, we chose and went with this album because it is their first out and out heavy metal album, or at least heavy metal as we know it to be, looking back at it in 1976. So continuing on with how this album could have influenced other bands and styles and everything, we think that we hear quite a bit of glam metal within this album, or glam metal as it would be in the early 80s. Now, glam metal is very visual. It's about crazy hair, makeup, brightly coloured spandex outfits. And if you look at the way Judas Priest dressed in their early days, oh, yeah. lots of leather, <laughs> lots of crazy yeah. hairstyle. I don't think they did makeup too much, but the tight leather gear, yeah. the biker stuff, you know, Saxon were an important band as well. You've got to remember at this time, heavy metal, whether it had become a thing or not, I'm not entirely sure, but bands were starting to attribute looks with heavy metal. You think about a band like Black Sabbath, there's nothing visually no. um, noticeable about them. Whereas Saxon and Judas Priest really started going with the biker stuff and attributing certain looks and clothings with it. Now, if you now music on the music side of it, if you listen to Tyrant, listen to the pleasant and the agreeable sounding riff and guitar motifs. Uh, they really remind me of sort of Van Halen, Eddie yeah. Van Halen. Just every now and then you've got those little guitar licks that he's doing in between sections. Yeah. It's nice to listen to and it's appealing. And I think that's a big part of that glam metal. And what I mean by nice and appealing is it's consonant sounding. You yeah. listen to the first Black Sabbath song, Black Sabbath. It's not nice to listen to. It's dissonant. It's Dissonance, horrible. Yeah. But with this, the riffs sound nice. They're agreeable. They're pleasant. And I think glam metal, that's a big factor in it. Uh, and in the same point, the main riff of Genocide, I think, does the same thing. Makes it accessible, a bit classic rocky. Yeah. Brings us a nice, easy to listen to music, which is what glam's about. 
Well, I also heard glam metal sort of guitar licks in uh, Island of Domination. That's the last track of the album. And actually, this track is a perfect end to this album because it has it all, in my opinion. You've got galloping, <laughs> yeah. you've got glam yeah. guitar licks, you've got bluesy sort of call and response. That, that's the same um, song with the blues swing, isn't it? Yeah, and it just yeah. has it all. It just has it, has it <laughs> yeah. all. And it's a great place to end the album. And sort of, you know, our points as well. All these influences just come together in this song. Question for you. Yeah? Is Island of Domination a heavy metal song to you? Ooh. Or does it have too much blues in it? Does it have too much hard rock for it to be? I don't think it's heavy metal for no, me. No, you'd call it, what, hard rock? Hard rock with bluesy hard rock. Yeah, <laughs> there you have it. So that's our take on the uh, Judas Priest. Judas Priest? Judas Priest, Sad Wings of Destiny album from 1976. What, what in general were your thoughts on the album? Did you like it? Oh my God, I was going on about it for like two days. Uh, I love it I, I can so much. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it so much. And I think, I also listened to Rock Rolla, by the way, which is the previous album. When we mentioned it today already. And I suggest you guys listen to it as well because it's a completely different album. And yeah. you can just see how much they've changed in just two years, may I say. Because uh, Rock Roll was 74, this is 76, and uh, I can just really appreciate all these influences here. And it's so exciting to be hearing all these influences, you know, all these bands that we said. And yeah, I absolutely love the album. I think it's brilliant and it's a perfect bridge for me in between the first wave of British Home Mill into the new wave. It's just fantastic. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you enjoyed Sad Wings of Destiny. Please don't forget to leave your thoughts below the video. Yeah, and uh, for those who don't have time to sit and watch the videos, we've got a dedicated podcast available for you where we take the audio from the video and distribute it via our podcasting platforms. You can find it on Spotify, Amazon and Apple and all your other podcasting platforms. Thanks for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed the review. Have a metal day. Have a lovely day. We'll see you very soon.